0: Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word. One chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It is day 387 and we are in 1 Samuel 15 and we have a major turning point, the hinge in the story of King Saul, the first king of Israel. As you can see on your screen, the header from the ESV in this chapter is The Lord rejects Saul. Saul has shown his insecurity. He's shown his fear of man. He's not been great, but now the Lord is going to reject him from being king over his people. Let's pray and ask the Lord's help as we get into this difficult chapter together this morning. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your love for us and for your desire to Reveal yourself to us so we can walk in your truth. Help us to walk in your truth, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Samuel, chapter 15. And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to, appoint, to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all they that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul summoned the people and numbered them into lame, 200,000 men on foot, And 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them, for you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites, and Saul defeated the Amalekites The word of the Lord came to Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he has set up a monument for himself. And turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen, to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop! I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, Speak. And Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord... As great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected The word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin, And return with me, that I may bow before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Samuel turned to go away. Saul seized the skirt of his robe, and it tore. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Also, and also, the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret, for he is not a man that he should have regret. Then he said, I have sinned, yet I Honor me now before the people, before the elders of my people, and before Israel, and return with me, that I may bow before the Lord your God. So Samuel turned back after Saul, and Saul bowed before the Lord. Then Samuel said, Bring here to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came to him cheerfully. Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, As your sword has made women childless, So shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house at Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death. But Samuel grieved over Saul. And the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel that is 1st Samuel 15 it is surely one of the most sobering chapters uh, in the history of God's people it's also a problematic one for us from our perspective because we don't we don't see everything that God sees and we don't know everything that God knows and sometimes we just don't understand why God is doing what he's doing so Saul has had a problem his whole career as king from the time that Samuel first called him out before he was king and he wouldn't tell his uncle about the fact that he was destined to be king and all the way up. And, and it's, this, it's this combination of insecurity and the fear of the Lord. And we know he has those two problems because they are explicit in this chapter. In verse 17, Samuel says to Saul, Though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. So that's the insecurity. That's this, uh, today they'd call it low self esteem, but it's this profound sense in which he doesn't think that God is great enough to make up. For his inadequacies. So after he's confronted. He really has to be confronted a couple times over this sin. Of sparing the best of the livestock and the king. After he's confronted in verse 24. He finally confesses. And when he confesses he says. I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. And your words because I feared the people. And obeyed their voice. So these have been Saul's two issues the whole time, but they're made explicitly clear here in chapter 15. A profound insecurity, you are little in your own eyes, and really a lack of faith that God is big enough to make up for that. And instead of that, if you're insecure and you don't fear the Lord, you don't trust Him to make up for your weaknesses with His strength, you're gonna fear people. And he feared the people and he obeyed their voice and not fully the voice of the Lord. Oh, he was willing to lead God's people into victory in battle. He was willing to see uh, his enemies destroyed. But when the people insisted that they keep the best of the livestock and, and sacrifice them to the Lord. You understand, when they go to make a sacrifice... They do give fat portions to the Lord, but they also feast themselves, sacrifices to the Lord of this kind, a thanksgiving offering, a freewill offering, not a a sin offering or or a a guilt offering like we looked at all these back in Leviticus. This kind of offering, a thanksgiving offering or freewill offering, uh, the bulk of the meat would have gone to the people. Who made the offering. So when they say we wanted to sacrifice it to the Lord, we we can look at that from our perspective, we could say, Well, what was so bad about that? I mean, they're going to destroy everything, they're just going to set aside the best of it and use it in worship. And shouldn't we bring our best to worship? You could even justify it that way. But it really is a self-serving thing they're doing. They're wanting to have a big feast. They're like, why waste all this great, you know, beef and lamb and mutton? Uh, this this is good stuff. I mean, this is juicy steaks and roasts and and tenderloins. We're gonna we're gonna have a, a good time, and we 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 won the the battle over this enemy, so we should get to celebrate and we should get to feast. And it, it may even be that Saul had had intended, as was often the case, to have Agag attend the feast and serve him. Usually, a, a conquering king would take the conquered king and would make him you know, sit at his feet or, or feed him by mouth or be a waiter at, at, at at the feast as a way of sort of humiliating him in front of all the people because he's the conquered king. So this is, this is gluttony. This is pride. Okay. And it's driven by this dual sin of insecurity and the fear of the Lord. So we shouldn't make light of this and think, oh, what's the big deal? They just kept a few animals. They're actually disobeying God, and trying to get selfish gain from what God has commanded, this was a sobering commandment that God gave. This is another part of this passage that trips us up a little bit why Why would God command that all these people be devoted to destruction? I mean that doesn 't seem right it 's like a it 's like a um, genocide of of the Amalekites. Well, God is sovereign and holy and knows the hearts and minds of people. And, and, he, and he alone has the authority to judge nations. He gives life. He has the authority to take life. And the Amalekites, they were a sinful people. And they had been sinful for a long time. And uh, they, they not only were inhospitable to Israel, right, and opposed them in their way when they came into uh, Israel out of Egypt, but they they plundered Judah many times they attacked Israel at Rephidim uh they they joined other groups in attacking against Israel they attacked David's city at Ziklag they were just constantly uh opposing God's people and trying to prevent them from being able to settle in the land and so this was uh the reason why God said he'd had enough that they, their time was up they had had enough time to repent. They didn't repent. Uh, and so now the Kenites are spared in verse 6. And we might wonder what sets the Kenites apart. Well, they were not like the Amalekites. They were, they were good and they were hospitable and they were helpful to the Israelites. Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, was actually a Kenite. And um, the Kenites had had settled among the Amalekites But they were not Amalekites, and so they were not under the ban. Now, the the last thorny issue that we need to deal with before we talk about Christ and then make application is this regret issue. Because it seems like this chapter is almost internally contradictory, seems that way, right? Because in verse 10, God says, I regret that I have made Saul king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. I regret that. But if you go down to verses 29 and 30, God says, And also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret, for he is not a man that he should have regret. So, you know, that is not, it seems, does God regret or does God not regret? Very often, God uses what we call anthropomorphic language, or technically in this case, it's anthropopathic language. He he speaks of himself using human emotions so that we can understand him better. It's like he talks baby talk to help us understand what he means. And so God is far beyond us. His ways are far higher than ours. He's, He's much richer and fuller in wisdom and holiness justice than we can ever even begin to scratch the surface of understanding. And so he says things like, I regret, just so he had chosen Saul. Saul was really, it's pretty clear from the beginning, Saul was always intended to be kind of an example to Israel of how not to choose a king, right? Their motive in wanting a king was wrong because they wanted to be like the other nations. Well, how do the other nations choose their king? Well, they look on outward appearance. They look for someone who's handsome and who's tall and who's a great warrior. And Saul fits the bill. So because the people had a bad motive in in wanting a king, God gave them a king like the other nations. And he turns out to be faithless. God knew this. But God is, God is basically saying... In human terms, look, I I chose this guy and I anointed him, but now now that you've seen what I already knew about him, that he's someone who fears people and is insecure and won't be faithful, I regret that I've made him king. I'm changing my mind. I'm, I'm going to withdraw the kingdom from him. But that really was the plan from the very beginning, and that much is obvious even from the very first time we see Saul in 1 Samuel. In, in the eternal perspective, the way God actually sees things and the way God actually decrees things, he does not, right? He does not lie or have regret. He, he doesn't make false promises and he doesn't really change his mind in that way. From a human perspective, it looks like he's changing his mind, but that's just the unfolding of his providence according to his purposes. So we can always trust God to never lie, and to never get into a situation and say, "Oh, wow, this is terrible. I never saw this coming," right? Because why would we why would we regret something after the fact because we didn't have enough knowledge going in, we didn't make a right decision, we realized maybe we were foolish or hasty? None of those things apply to God. None of those things even come close to applying to God. And so even though he uses the language of regret, it it's not this it's not really regret in the sense that we understand it. It's rather the unfolding of his sovereign purposes. So what do we learn here from Saul? Well, one thing we can see, of course, whenever we see any of these kings of Israel, they all have their shortcomings. They all have their failures, even the best of them like Hezekiah and Josiah. When we get to them, we'll see that they all fall short. And ultimately, none of these kings is going to be good enough Saul is just the first of a long line of kings who will be measured in a balance and come up wanting. Because only King Jesus is perfect in wisdom and power, fulfills the ministry that God gives him to the end, right? Jesus could say, I drank the cup of God's wrath to the bottom. He could say from the cross, it is finished. Saul didn't finish the work. Jesus did finish the work. Saul feared man. Jesus did everything to please his heavenly father. Saul was insecure. Jesus knew who who he was and why he was sent. And he honored the Lord in that perfectly from beginning to end. What's the application for us? The application for us is that we cannot trust in any earthly king or any earthly politician because people fail. People make bad decisions. So our ultimate hope and our ultimate trust must be in Jesus and trusting in jesus we need to learn to imitate jesus and not imitate saul we need to learn to be people of our word who follow through in our commitments and who seek to honor the lord because the lord delights in obedience more than sacrifice as he told saul let's pray father thank you for your love thank you for this time we've had in first samuel 15 thank you for what we can learn from this passage we pray that you would lead us today to trust in Jesus, to follow Jesus, and to imitate Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for 1 Samuel 15. Tomorrow, we'll go right on to chapter 16, when this neighbor of Saul's, who is better than he is, he was referenced in chapter 15, he's going to come along in chapter 16, David will be anointed as king. Have a blessed day in the Lord.